being a missionary isn't easy. Those were low points. There are many challenges, both physical and spiritual. It really took me three years before I could thank the Lord and believe that he was still good and that he did have a purpose. But God uses even the low points and hardships for his purposes. The Lord is so good in my life to have um, knocked out so many other things that were in competition with him. I just thank the Lord because I see how he took those low points and used them for good in my life. We'll meet a missionary couple serving on the front lines of kingdom work. We'll hear about the highs and the lows and about the overarching faithfulness of God right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We have uh, the privilege today of speaking with some missionaries, and I, uh, I'm a missionary kid, so I love missionaries. Uh, I love missions, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, in the studio with us, we have Vern and Denny Johnson. They are missionaries to the Ivory Coast, or Côte d'Ivoire, uh, and uh, they are trainers of missionaries for New Tribes Mission. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Vern and Denny, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank, Thank you so much. We sometimes have this picture of missionaries that, you know, life is grand and everything is easy. You talked a little bit this morning about just the language. And when you when you try to translate very basic things, <laughs> sometimes you get sideways. One of the questions that comes up is, do we really need to learn the language after all? Can't we go up there and just grab a translator and he can translate whatever we say? So if we know French, we could give him John 3.16 in French, and he could just translate it into his language. That The problem with that is they are thinking in a totally different worldview. What I mean by that is their whole concept of truth is very different than mine. Like from the North American side, we might be highly interested in education and money and, and logic. And from their point of view, they're heavily interested in pleasing the spirits and feelings and, and just survival. If I would say in their language, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, they're thinking for God. Okay, that, that's sky. That's our word for sky. And then I would think of the word for love. I'm thinking God so loved, and they're, but they're thinking the word for love in their mind, if I would say I love my wife, but what they're thinking is my wife pleases me. So now that little phrase there, for God so loved the world, comes out, for the world so pleased the sky. And then you go on, and, it's, and it says that he gave his only begotten son, and they're thinking, well, if he has a son, surely he has a wife. And if he's like us, he has two or three wives. Was it his good wife or his bad wife by which he had this son? And so they <laughs> yeah, are totally pretty lost. Pretty soon you've lost track of the whole message. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they don't even know what you're talking about. Another interesting illustration on this um, is we've had people come in with the Jesus film, and they have, they have shown the Jesus film over, over a four-day period, and they used a translator to translate the, uh, the message. And the people look at that, and in their context, they really think that Jesus is one of the best sorcerers they've ever seen. Look at the miracles that he performed. 
And I know one of the things that New Tribes missionaries are doing is, is telling the story. And I'm not just the story of Jesus, but starting way back in Genesis and telling the whole story. I wonder about your comments and your thoughts about why story is so important. I'm, Whenever this comes up, I'm always reminded of Nathan confronting David. And he went to David and he didn't say, David, you're a sinner, you committed adultery. He told him a story. And, you know, David's response was, who is this man? I mean, you know, he's going to pay. <laughs> and Nathan says, you're the guy. Somehow God uses stories in people's hearts and in their minds. Tell us a little bit about that and why you start the story with Genesis. I think that there's two things going on here that we need to look at real carefully in my mind. One is that it's come to the attention of so many people that just by human nature, we need to know kind of where we came from and where we're going to give any significance to where we're living today. So there are people that believe in the Big Bang Theory that we started out with a Big Bang and somewhere along the line, that was our beginning and now we're in the present and eventually we'll just end in the grave, uh, traveling through, becoming an ape and everything else. And and that's, I'm not trying to diss that. That's what some people believe. If you're Palica, you believe that you came out of the sky down a ladder and you were the main people group and that everything started from that. Wow. So they need to know where they came from and where they're going. In the same way, God has made that very clear to us in his word that it started here with my creation and then with Adam and Eve and then right down the storyline but the, the climax of the whole thing being Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. And so we want to tell that whole all of the Bible as a single story. For them to have Jesus Christ and the cross without the context of the whole story, you lose everything. So we, that's one type of story. But now we tell that whole storyline by little stories. And when we first teach it, we kind of teach mainly the stories that point to Jesus Christ on the cross. We don't teach the whole Bible coming through, but just enough for them to fully understand Jesus Christ. At a later date, we'll come back and fill in the holes. But we, if you teach by stories, you can reach people in other people groups, and you can reach little kids. It can all of a sudden you realize that the gospel is can be taught to anybody. Well, and the thing that is also interesting to me is instantly that person is equipped to be a missionary because all of us can tell a story. I mean, you tell me a story now, I can go home and tell it to my wife later today. You tell me the story of Jesus, and I can go to the next village. I can go and I can share the story too. Oh, exactly, exactly. And and not only does it point them to what the cross does as far as showing them very clearly that it's only by Jesus Christ that God accepts people, but it also gives them a foundation to the whole Bible. What has been interesting to us is how well-grounded they are when they first become Christians. We now have pastors coming from city churches to say, what's going on? How come these guys know so much? I mean, I've been to seminary, but they seem to be catching it a whole lot better than my congregations in the city. It's because they have that. It's, a, it's actually a foundational um, aspect to come through it in a story form like that. You're listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio, and we're talking today with Vern and Denny Johnson. They are missionaries to the Ivory Coast with New Tribes Mission. You guys were in Ivory Coast and were forced to leave um, through upheaval and, and war. And what was that like uh, for you in the sense of, you know, God called you there, you're there, you're doing good work, and then all of a sudden, hey, okay, you got to go. How did you how did you work through those times? Initially, I didn't really 
think that it was going to be as serious or as long. We had had coups before that, and they would blow over within two weeks. And so I just sort of spent the day cooking and visiting with people. And he came in at the end of the day and said, why didn't you pack? <laughs> but I really believed we'd be back in it in two weeks. It would just blow over. And, and uh, so even the day that we evacuated, I remember uh, singing. We have a song in Palica that's based on the verse in Acts that says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I remember standing in a circle and singing that with the believers and saying, I'll, I'll see you soon. And we left. And it wasn't until later we got further down country the next day and found out that the rebels were within 22 kilometers of where my son was at boarding school. Oh, wow. And then it became very real at that point. It was really hard to leave the, leave the people. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. Was there ever a time during that period where you felt like, Lord, what are you doing? Why is this happening? It really took me three years before I could thank the Lord and believe that he was still good and that he did have a purpose in this. It didn't make any sense to me at all that what was going on. It was hard. And I know for Vern, he was really praying and asking the Lord to allow us to stay there. And I think getting on the plane for him was probably one of the hardest things that he had ever done. One of the things you're forced to realize is, I I mean, I was forced to realize as God, you really, I was praying, God, you really need us here. If we're gone, who's going to take, who's going to, who's going to do this? And finally, God got a hold of me and like, really, Vern? Really? <laughs> And 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 it'll the thing, be okay. Well, the thing is, is I said I just had to realize, Vern, you need to just quit praying that you stay and pray for the people that are there, for the believers uh, that we had seen come to know the Lord, and pray for them that they would respond to the Lord and continue on. So I mean, it, I, I was praying wrong, mm-hmm. and God made me change my mind on that. Now, Denny, I'm interested. You said it was three years before you were really. Did something happen that? got you to that point, or was it just a matter of time and and seeing what was going on? It actually happened. I was at a revival in our church, and there was a Scottish preacher there, and he challenged all of us just to get before the Lord, to meet with the Lord, and see if there was anything in our hearts. And almost immediately, the Lord was just faithful to say, you have yet to thank me. Wow. And I remember just kneeling down and (laughs) just sort of being broken and saying, Lord, that's true, but I don't think I'm happy. Is it okay if I will thank you, but I don't think I'm so happy about this. What was the lowest point in your missionary career? Was it that? Was it being forced out of the country, or has there been another low point? There, there's several. Um, we watched all of our kids get really close to death's door. Um, very, very close. Uh, and you're, I mean, to the place where you finally just let go. And I think that there's one place where both of our Oldest two had been sick with malaria. We didn't know it was malaria. Nobody could come back with a positive test for four months, and they're, they're, they couldn't. Our son couldn't even get his head out of the bowl that he was thrown up into. And and I just remember just saying, "Okay, God, we dedicated him to you as a baby back in the churches, but I didn't know that this was what you really meant." And finally, letting go of that. And I remember the day almost that Denny let go of them is the next day. We gave them some medicine, they're up in a day. But those were those were low points. I definitely agree with Verna. I think our kids being sick with malaria, for any parent, that's so hard when you know that um, they could die and maybe unsafe family members are going to sort of laugh and mock you and say, see, I told you, I told you you were foolish to do this. 
Uh, I remember maybe on a little bit lighter level, but yet it was a big deal for me, was about two years into living in the village, and I was taking a language evaluation, and I failed it. And so to this day, I think I'm rather famous on the field for that as being the only one to have failed a level two test. And it was definitely what the Lord had for me. I think up until that point, I was doing a lot of things in my own strength. And even though I was a missionary uh, there, I think it really was all about me. I was going to be the missionary that was going to lead the masses to the Lord. The Lord just broke me and showed me just the pride of my own heart that it really had been all about, about me and that I had lost him, left him somewhere along the trail. Mm. And so when you say a low point, why I hesitated initially was I just thank the Lord because I see how he took those low points and used them for good in mm -hmm. my life. And that's the second, the follow-up question to that is how did you hang on through those days? I think particularly when your kids were so sick and you're thinking, our kids are going to die? How did you, how did you keep a hold of the Lord and keep a hold of your faith and and just keep putting your feet in front of the other? It's just really a test to the Lord is so good in my life to have um, knocked out so many other things that were in competition with Him, and it involved a lot of disappointments and uh, to see expectations fail, and yet it was His goodness so that He would be left standing and. I just thank him for me. Vern sort of teases me about this, but I would have to go get my tennis shoes on and say I'm going for a walk. And I would just start walking down those gravel roads and say, Lord, I need you and just meet me. And I, I do. I thank him. He, he is such a communicator. He's given us his written word. He's put his Holy Spirit within us. He wants to be known. And he's not, he's not intimidated by my struggles. And seriously, I think every time that I have come to him, he has been able to give me what I needed to turn around and go back into the village or to face the sickness. And in the sickness, you know, is the Lord worth more? Wow, than even my children, Lord, you know this hurts. And yet he is. He is so worth more than anything. We're talking today with Vern and Denny Johnson. They're missionaries to Cote d'Ivoire uh, or Ivory Coast, working with New Tribes Mission. Now, you mentioned that you you failed the language test, which is kind Thanks of Thanks for ironic. bringing that up yeah, again. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the reason I bring it up is because you're now involved in translation work. Uh, tell us a little bit about how God brought you to that. Yeah, I really, a lot of people say God has a sense of humor, and <laughs> and I really think, like, uh, at the age of 50, I had been in the mission all these years, and I had never wanted to do translation work. I imagined that maybe you might have to be a male, and definitely you would have to be intelligent and be <laughs> analytical and be given to detail and love computers and love grammar and maybe be sort of like my husband. But, uh, it wasn't going to be me. I loved being out with the people and playing, and uh, I did. I was involved with the people, but it, yeah, I wasn't really all that serious about it. Never had a desire to do translation. And then my son, uh, our son Seth, and I made a trip to the village, and we had been evacuated from the village at that point. I don't know, maybe seven years, and uh, we were there. And as we were visiting with the people, Seth looked at me and he said, "Mom." These people have no way to get the word of God, and you're the only one that has enough fluency in the language to do this. Are you not even going to try? And what do you say wow. to your son when you've <laughs> taught him to believe the Lord and that the Lord is able? How could you say, yeah, this isn't for me. I'm not gifted that way. 
I don't think it's I failed me. the language test. So. Yeah. <laughs> do you know who you're talking to? Thanks for the compliment that you think I could maybe do that, but think again. No, and so translation really has become uh, one of the Lord's greatest gifts to me. I love it. I had a false picture of translation in the beginning that it really was just all about the technical but it's so much more than that. You, at the beginning, would have said, no, there's no way I will ever be involved in that. That is just ludicrous. That's crazy. And now you say, this is one of God's greatest gifts to me. Mm-hmm. Tell, why is that? How, why do you say that? I love it. The Lord did make it so clear that it wasn't going to be something that I could do in my own strength. And I really do know that every time I sit down, that he is giving me the ability to understand and to communicate and to understand their language. It's been a crazy joy working with the people, building a translation team, and then to take that translation team, to train them in translation, to get them to think and to be able to teach them the Word of God and understand, then going with them to two or three other groups of people and checking the Word of God with these people that have never heard the book of Ephesians before, ever, and to see their eyes are just like those who are believers but just have never heard Mm -hmm. this part of the Word of God and their eyes are just shining and they're giving testimony and they're saying, yeah, it's just like so-and-so. That's exactly (laughs) right. And when we went through Ephesians the first time, by the time we got to the end of the first three chapters, uh, the guys actually on the translation team hearing this and understanding it now said, Mama, there is no one like him. There is no one like him. And I thought, Lord, thank you. That's exactly, exactly what you would want to hear. And they said, our hearts are just full. Can we just stop and go to him? Wow. And the Lord <laughs> the Lord was keeping them up at night as they began to realize that God has always and ever only had one plan since before he created the world and that they were part of that plan. And they were waking up at 1 o'clock in the morning praying, God, what would you have us do? Wow. It's a, that's what I mean by it's been such a gift. I hope that the folks who are listening to this run and grab their Bibles now. I, as we open our Bibles today, I hope that that little picture comes into your mind of, wow, this is amazing. I get to have God's Word in my own language. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. You can listen to every episode of VOM Radio at www.vomradio.net. You showed us some video this morning in our chapel service of of the African villagers singing, uh, actually singing the scripture because that helped them to remember it. When you are in the village and you see people coming to Christ and singing God's Word, what happens in your spirit and in your heart. When we arrived out there, we knew how to learn a language. We'd been trained in that, how to learn culture. That's one thing New Tribe is really good at. And they'd also given us a program for how to teach beginning at the beginning and even how to continue on after you had believers. So we had it all in control. Okay, when you get done with the first phase and you now have believers and you go on to phase two, phase three, what I really wasn't counting on was the fact that the Holy Spirit showed up. You know, whereas we were in control and we knew what the next lessons were going to be, all of a sudden these guys, 
they they would go to the marketplace. They we people would hear what was going on in other villages. They'd grab blank cassette tapes and bring them to our village, and they say, "Will you please put the lessons on this?" We had guys getting up and running and sharing, trying to share as much as they could in the other villages. Wait, 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 wait! You got to start back here with this lesson. This is how you do it. You got to do it our way. And they had none of that. We had people that used to be afraid of the demons at night and would you know cower in their houses. Would see a demon possessed woman running through the village and have no fear at all. Lack of fear, just total belief that God had their back. Um, they came to the, came to us and they started asking us scripture questions. Didn't you say that God, um, we should love the Lord our, our God and he should be number one and that we should also honor our mom and dad? Well, my dad just asked me to go get chickens for a chicken sacrifice. Well, which one? What do, do I do? What, what do I do? And I'm and I'm thinking, yeah. What what do you do? <laughs> and all of a sudden, I was having to answer questions out of the Bible that I'd never faced before, you know. And and I mean, it was like, whoa, 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 wait, wait let's do the next stage. I felt like I was driving, and you know, in the driver's seat. But once this happened. All of a sudden, we were um, hanging onto the bumper, wondering where we're going. Another thing that did happen, though, two th- when when you when we taught that way, immediately we had a whole group of believers. It was like uh, Acts two, where they had three thousand in one day. We immediately had I don't know about a hundred in one day, and uh, we I mean you're just trying to figure out who you have, and that's another whole issue. But we had a group of believers. What was interesting is how they all knew immediately that they were part of the same body. They just they, they they just sensed it. The confidence that the Spirit gives you that you belong to the body to to Christ. Uh-huh. In other words, the Spirit bears witness with yep. our spirit that we are the church. And just to see that happen, but there is also immediate persecution. The people that weren't saved immediately knew that they weren't on the inside, and so their own family members said, "Okay, you follow your God, you leave us, but you go get your own fields, you go find something to eat someplace else." And the pers- persecution was immediate, and they just pulled together as believers and they started praying for the very people that were persecuting them, and we just really were humbled. All, they believed they believed everything the Word of God said, and we just found ourselves. Well, I interpreted that one, so I didn't really have to trust God. They just believed God, right? And all this. <laughs> I, I'm going to say this, but you know, like they came walking in the door in the into our gate just the next day, and and Denny says, "Oh man, we're going to have to really step it up and really live like Christians now that they know what that what one should look like." You know, and all this—I mean, it just—it really even perked up our own uh-huh. life because they so walked with God and they so believed Him. It was fantastic to enjoy the believers, but it just gave us a different relationship with the unbelievers now too. So it's interesting to me that their their first thought was to pray for the people who were against them now, because I that's not a human response. <laughs> that's that's a supernatural response to say, okay, those people hate us now; they're mad at us. Let's pray for them. I, I mean, had you talked about that at all in the teaching? That was just the Holy Spirit planted that. Hey, this is what we do when people are against us. Exactly. They don't understand. They're they still believe, you know, they're whether they're being uh, deceived by Satan or not, they just don't understand and their hearts wept for their family. We've talked about some of the really low points and we've talked about some of the great points when the God breaks out. Um what would you say for young people who are listening who are maybe thinking, you know, I think God might be calling me into missions. Denny and I are pretty strong on the fact that God probably impacts the world primarily through people that listen to God and respond to Him. And a lot of us look at a lot of criteria like, well, is that my gifting? Is that what I'd enjoy doing? And kind of why I would like to do things for God. But there's a place in which I really would strongly encourage them to say, God, what would you have for me? My own little testimony around when I was about 20 was 
God, I don't want to play games with you, you know, because I'll have to live my whole life knowing in the back of my mind that I've been justifying the way that I've taken, and I just want to be open with you. And I just got scared spitless because the first thing that came to mind was Russia and behind the Iron Curtain and having to live with the jail ministry <laughs> because I was stuck in jail. <laughs> but it did cross my mind that there were people like Voice of the Martyrs that were getting Bibles in there. And then the number two was the Muslim world. And I, oh, man, God, really? And then it crossed my mind again, hey, there are people like Voice of the Martyrs that are getting Bibles in there. At least they're hearing. Well, option number three was tribal people because there was nothing. And I'm just saying that's how it was, the way that God kind of worked with me. And so I put my application in, but I really didn't want to go there. <laughs> I was really hoping that God would give me what I wanted to do or where my gifting was at. And the, the having that confidence that God has led you into that is mandatory when you're up against the wall. Mm-hmm. I would say, too, don't wait until, you, until you're perfect. None of us are ever going to get there and... and you, I'm in my late 50s, and I'm still growing and learning from the Lord, and it's not really about he uses the weak and the foolish, and it's not about who I am. It's about who he is, and we have this amazing treasure in cracked earthen vessels. If God only used perfect people, there there wouldn't be very many of us. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio, and we're talking today with Vern and Denny Johnson. They are missionaries to the Ivory Coast with New Tribes Mission. We always want to equip our listeners to pray because we want an army of prayer warriors that are listening to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. As we pray for missionaries, what would be some specific ways that we should pray for maybe the missionaries that our church supports, maybe you guys? uh, How can we pray for missionaries? My immediate and probably greatest reply was that the missionary, in spite of all the difficulties he may be facing, would be responsive to the Lord, because as he responds to the Lord in his difficulty, the people see that, and now they want it. If the missionary is having just blurting out problems with his wife or spouse or kids or reacting bad in various situations, they could care less whether you teach a perfect lesson plan. And the church dies on the other side. If a missionary knows how to listen to God and walk with him, they're going to be able to teach that. But if they're just going over there and they know the language culture and teach the story for them, the church will have some response, but it'll die quickly. So that that personal hunger and personal relationship. That's what I was going to say as well. Pray that we would, as I pray for the Christians here in America, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, that we would keep our eyes on him, and and that he would be the most precious thing to us. As I've been here visiting at Voice of the Martyrs this morning, I'm just so challenged again by brothers and sisters who are counting him more worthy than anything and are giving their lives. And I just find myself this morning just saying, Lord, I want to finish well. I want to finish with you. I want to live a life that's going to show my kids that you are worth more than anything. Amen. Vern, Denny, thank you very much for sharing. Thank you for your hearts. I can hear them loud and clear coming through. Uh, and I encourage our listeners, as you as you pray for your missionaries, people you support, people your church supports, people you know of, uh, people serving through Voice of the Martyrs, anyone, uh, just be a prayer warrior on their behalf, because there are those low times, uh, and we want to see them hang on through those and get to those mountaintop times where God just does amazing things. Uh, Vern and Denny, thank you very much for being with us. Thank Thank you you so much. much.
I hope the stories Vern and Denny have shared will bless you this week. I hope they'll encourage you in your own walk with Christ and encourage you to pray for missionaries and gospel workers around the world. You can listen again to our conversation and all the other episodes of Voice of the Martyrs Radio at vomradio.net. We'd love your feedback. You can connect with us by email or phone. All that information is available at vomradio.net. Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world. But as we've heard this week, that's not an easy task. There are difficulties. There are challenges. There's opposition. But there is also great excitement and joy in answering the call of Christ on each of our lives. God bless you this week. We'll see you next week on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. <laughs>